Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am your host, Rachel Laurie Harris, and I am really excited to talk to you about accountability today. So accountability is something that I see like circulating a lot in the language in dog training over on the social media, right? And I usually see it more on the... um, the kind of outdated training side of things, right? Where you have to hold your dog accountable and and things of that nature. And while overall, I usually don't agree with how accountability is being perpetuated as far as like holding our dogs accountable over on the social media, I think that there is also a certain level of accountability that I might hold my dog to. And I figured, hey, this would be a great podcast episode. So I'm just going to kind of run you through some things today. Okay. So when we're talking about accountability, it obviously goes both ways, right? Like you have to be holding yourself accountable. And I think that there are certain times, I'm going to give you some more information on that. I think that there are certain times where we also have to hold our dog accountable. But let's be honest here. Majority of the time, we're holding ourselves accountable, not the dogs accountable, right? Because when we take a step back and we realize that our dogs literally have the cognitive capacity of like a three-year-old, and that's an adult dog, okay? So like Spicy, who is going to be one whole year old soon, which is just crazy, she probably has the cognitive capacity of more of like a two-year-old, not necessarily a three-year-old, okay? And when we look at it from that lens, there are going to be way fewer instances in which we would hold a dog accountable and a lot of incidents where we're going to hold ourselves accountable, okay? And we also have to remind ourselves that Dogs do not have a moral code, okay? They do not share our moral code. They do not subscribe to our lens of right and wrong. And accountability is technically a human construct, right? So I think that when we look at it from that lens, it helps us narrow in on maybe some of the small percentage of times in which we would want to hold our dogs accountable for their behavior. But spoiler, that never means using harsh correction or unnecessary punishment, okay? So when we're talking about the factors of holding our dog accountable, I want you to be really, really brutally honest with yourself as I run through this list. Because if you have not held up your end of the bargain here, right, in teaching and reinforcing and proofing, then you are the one who needs to be held accountable, not the dog. (laughs) Okay. So when I'm looking at the concept of accountability, I'm looking at basically five general factors here. Okay. So the first factor being, did I actually teach my dog what I want them to do? Have I done multiple sessions? Have I broke it down into small pieces? Have I put it on cue? Have I built it to fluency? 
And if the answer to that question is no, you are the one who is accountable for that, not your dog. Okay. I think that this is something that a lot of my clients get very frustrated by because they think that the dog should just listen to them because they say so. And I mean, I can empathize with that, right? Like we want our dogs to listen, but just because we say so is not a good enough incentive for our dogs to listen, okay? So if you have not actually taught your dog the behavior, you haven't done multiple sessions of it, you haven't put it on cue, you haven't built it to fluency, then you're the one who's accountable in this scenario for your dog not doing what you wanted them to, okay? The second factor that I am looking at is, has the behavior I want my dog to do actually been reinforced? And I think that this is one that, remember, just because you're giving them food doesn't mean that it's reinforcing, okay? And just because you feel like you're giving them something, your dog actually has to perceive that thing as reinforcing, And if you have not adequately made that behavior reinforcing, you are accountable in this scenario, not your dog, okay? So if you have not actually been reinforcing the behavior, you need to reevaluate your training plan to make sure that you are actually reinforcing that behavior, okay? The third factor that I'm looking at is in should I be holding my dog accountable is how much reinforcement history is there for the behavior I want them to perform. If there is not an adequate level of reinforcement history, so say you teach your your dog a behavior, maybe like loose leash walking, right? You teach it to them, you work it on inside in the backyard, you work, work on it on walks, but it's, you've only been working on it for like a week or two. That's not enough reinforcement history, (laughs) right? And in that case, you need to hold yourself accountable and build more reinforcement history before you can expect your dog to do it, okay? So if there is not an adequate level of reinforcement history, and generally speaking, I'm talking like the dog has had like weeks and weeks of reinforcement for doing what you want. That's getting closer to an adequate reinforcement history, okay? But if that doesn't exist, that's not an adequate reinforcement history, in which case it's totally unfair to hold our dogs accountable in this situation, right? The accountability is on you. You need to do more reinforcing of the behavior you want to see, okay? When I'm looking at the fourth factor of holding my dog accountability, it is the distraction level, wherever I'm asking for the behavior. If the distraction level is so high... I can't hold my dog accountable because I haven't built the behavior to fluency in that level of distraction, right? That's on me, not on my dog, okay? But on the flip side of that, if there's a lower distraction level, you have a reinforcement history, your reinforcement has actually been reinforcing, you have taught the behavior, you've put it on cue, you've trained it, maybe now I'm getting into an area where I might hold my dog accountable. So hang tight because I am going to give you some specific examples of this, okay? So the fifth factor of holding my dog accountable is are there outside circumstances influencing my dog right now, right? So do they have compounded stress? Has there been trigger stacking? Is my dog in physical pain? Is my dog desperate to get a need met? right? And if all, 
any one of those things are at play, I'm not holding my dog accountable. I'm holding myself accountable to put my dog in better scenarios where they can be successful. Okay, so as you are starting to pick up here, a lot of these factors are leaning towards we can't hold the dog accountable. But if I have all five of these, right, I have all of these, I can check these off the list. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. Yes, I did. Then that's when I'm getting into territory where I might or maybe would hold my dog accountable. But I want to just be clear here. This doesn't mean that I'm going to use harsh corrections or aversive training tools. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That is not necessary in holding our dogs accountable, right? What I will be doing is probably being clear, firm, but fair. Okay. So I want to give you, I want to give you some examples of how I'm holding my, my particular dogs accountable. So at this current moment, Spicy, at recording this episode, she is almost a year old, right? And there are a few scenarios where I am holding her accountable, but only a few because she's still really young and she still has a lot of training, right? So one of those areas where I'm holding her accountable is what I'm expecting her to do while I am eating, Okay, so when my husband and I sit down to eat at the table, she goes and hangs out in her crate that has been taught, right? I literally taught her that skill. If you all have taken puppy priorities, you saw me teach her this skill, right? So I broke it down. I put it on cue. I built it to fluency. It has been reinforced a lot. There's almost a, there's probably, oh, I don't know, 10 months of reinforcement history. Basically the entire time she's been at this house, she's been reinforced for that. And when we're eating, the distraction level isn't super high and she is happy, healthy. There's no physical pain, no desperation to get her needs met and there's no compounded stress. So in that circumstance, I am holding her accountable. So what that might look like is if I sit down to eat and she is like all up in my grill, I'm going to hold her accountable by telling her to go in her crate and expecting her to stay in there while we eat. And I don't have to close the door. She understands. She just hangs out there. And this is something that we also hold Waylon accountable for right? He needs to be either on the rug or on his dog bed. And I will hold him accountable and make sure he does that, right? Because I taught him the behavior. It's actually reinforcing. There's a reinforcement history. The distraction level isn't too high. He's not sick, stressed, desperate for anything, right? That is a circumstance when I'm holding my dog accountable. But I think that there's this big mis perception of accountability, right? And like thinking that that means that we need to like yell at our dogs or hit our dogs or use correction. But all that means is I'm just, I'm just telling them what I want them to do and following it up and making sure that they actually do it. Right. It's as as simple as that. Right. So we are technically the ones holding our dogs accountable, but that doesn't mean that we're using punitive methods to get there. Okay, so that's a circumstance in which I am holding my almost one-year-old dog accountable. Okay, another circumstance in where I'm holding my dogs accountable would be uh, leash tension, right? Leash pulling. So this is mainly Waylon. Spice is still learning, although she's getting pretty good. Um, but I'm not holding her accountable for her behavior yet because, you know, walking on leash is a, a hard skill and we're still working on that. But Waylon is six and he has 
six years of training and teaching, right? I've been very clear and consistent about not pulling and what I want him to do. He has gotten thousands and thousands and thousands of reinforcements in, in his life for walking on a loose leash. Um, just tons of that. Um, it's, it's been very reinforcing for him and it is very rare. Um, there's really only a few distraction levels in which I wouldn't be able to hold him accountable because it's too hard. Right. So I would say probably like 95% of the time that he is on the leash, I am holding him accountable for not pulling. And there is one caveated exception here. So I want to, I want to give it to you. So Waylon has this thing where he really doesn't like to use our backyard as the bathroom. (laughs) And that's convenient in some ways and inconvenient in other ways. And sometimes what happens is if he didn't get a morning walk, he will hold it all day and then in the evening be desperate to go out and go to the bathroom, but he won't do it in the backyard. He wants to go out and do it on a leash. So that might be a short duration of time where I wouldn't hold Waylon accountable for not pulling on leash because I know he desperately needs to poop. Okay. So that would be an exception, right? Because he, he, he's desperate to have a need met. He needs to go to the bathroom, right? And I'm, I'm not letting him like sled dog me, but I'm, I'm probably not going to be as firm about like, you are not allowed to pull because I know he has to poop, but post poop, holding him accountable. And what that looks like is that if he gets to the end of the leash and there's tension, I'm just literally stopping. And I'm like, no, dude, we're not going until you alleviate the tension. And because of all of his training and reinforcement history, usually within one or two seconds, he alleviates that tension. We can keep walking and voila, problem solved, right? So it's when we're holding our dogs accountable, it's really just small, really clear circumstances in which we can be hold them accountable and be like, I know you are clear on this. I know that you aren't overwhelmed. I know you aren't stressed. I know you don't feel bad. I know you aren't desperate for anything. I know all the training and reinforcement history is there. You have to do it. Right. And I think that this is a really nice framework for all of you to be keeping in mind, because those of you who have reactive dogs, anxious dogs, um, dogs who are just more stressed than others, You can't always hold them accountable for their behavior because there's all of these other circumstances at play, right? And I think that that can be like a hard concept because we feel like we have to be consistent and do the same thing every single time, but we're not the same beings in every single moment under every single circumstance. So there has to be kind of a sliding scale of what we're expecting of our dogs, right? So I want to give you another example of when maybe I would be encouraging my client to hold their dog accountable, okay? So as you all know, I work with a lot of reactivity, particularly dogs who are leash reactive to other dogs. And something that starts to come up with a lot of my clients who have done the work, right? Like they have worked on the behavior modification, they have reduced stress, they have trained alternative behaviors. What we start to do, right, is put our dogs in fair scenarios, but expect them and hold them accountable for making the decision we want them to make without as much active or proactive strategies. Okay. So I want to give you an example. So I have a particular dog who comes to mind. Emilio is his name. Shout out to Crystal. She's amazing. His human. So 
he can be leash reactive to dogs, right? And usually it's because he's fearful. So he kind of like yells at them and tells them to go away from him. He has made huge progress thanks to the commitment of his guardian, right? So over the last year, she has consistently been using a behavior modification technique to help him feel less stressed, feel more comfortable when he sees dogs. And that is working beautifully. She does a great job of making sure he has plenty of space and she sets him up for success. Okay. And some, a strategy that she was using was a proactive strategy, right? Of clicking for him looking at the dog, which was working really, really well. And what we started to do is we started to transition, right? Because we had a year of behavior modification that was working and everything else was in place here. We started to not click for him looking, right? And waiting for him to look, look away on his own and move away a little bit. And that is what we're reinforcing. So in that particular circumstance, we are holding the dog accountable for his behavior because we have given him the skills, set up the circumstances for him to be successful so that when we hold him accountable for his behavior, he knows exactly how to behave. He's comfortable, he's confident, and then he still gets reinforced for it, right? And I think that there are a lot of circumstances where maybe you hadn't thought about it as holding your dog accountable, but you probably are in certain circumstances, right? I think jumping is another example, right? Like jump, jumping up on you. And while I'm always very excited to see my dogs when I come home, I don't really want to be clobbered. And that's, uh, that's a circumstance where I do hold them accountable for their behavior, right? When I come in, up in and they're excited, if they're jumping all crazy, I will ask them to get off. They will get off. I will greet them. We will interact there, right? So, in that moment, I'm just holding them accountable for like, hey, the way to get my attention is to not jump on me. And this is something that I've been working on with my dogs basically their whole life. Is it this easy with other people? No, I can't always hold them accountable there. Depends on the people, right? But that's another circumstance in which I'm I'm technically, quote unquote, holding my dogs accountable for their behavior. Okay, and I'm sure that as I'm running through these examples, you can think of some in your personal experience with your dogs, right? But to be clear, the accountability falls on you as the guardian the vast majority of the time, right? But when you have put in the time, you have put in the energy, you have actually trained the behavior, right? You've trained it. Your dog is very clear on what's expected of them. You've made sure it's actually reinforcing. There's a very strong reinforcement history. The distraction level is one in which they can be successful and there are no other outside circumstances influencing their behavior being compounded stress, trigger stacking, physical pain, desperation to have needs met. If all of those things, right? Like I said, you can check all of those things off your list. That's when you're going to be holding your dog accountable. But if you can't check all five of those off your list, I really do not think it is ethical or fair to feel like we have to hold our dogs accountable for their behavior, right? Behavior is fluid. We are ever-changing beings, all of us, and there can't just be one general set of rules always and forever and then feeling like we're emboldened to hold them accountable, right? Like we can be fair and really kind about holding our dogs accountable when it is appropriate, all right? So short and sweet episode. I will be back next Friday. If you have a topic you'd like to hear me talk about on Disorderly Dogs, hey, head over to the Disorderly Dogs website and there is a uh, suggestion, quote unquote, box there. So if you have something you'd like to hear me talk about, uh, this is 
I mean, I've done a lot of episodes. We're like almost to 300 episodes. So if you have a particular behavior or concern with your dog, use the search function over on Disorderly Dogs because I've probably done an episode for you that you will find helpful. All right, everyone, smooch those puppies for me. Have a beautiful weekend. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.